Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast. We were in a horror movie just for you. Just Allison, for all of you. how are you doing? <gasps> How dare you ask me no, first? No, I need you. I need a minute for my brain yes. to warm up. I'll, uh, all right, I'll, I'll ramble here for a second Thank about you. how I'm doing. I'm fine. Okay, great. I do. We're in um, my favorite time of year, food wise, for at home oh. snacking because we're in good fall produce. So, really good apples and grapes. Which Love I like. Apple grape. Absolutely. Apples and grapes. And like having like a bag of clementines just like on the counter at all times just to like grab one. I mean, it's just like that. Is, I'm, I'm at my healthiest in October and that's it. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I do like the idea of the change of the seasons and how it changes how we eat. Yeah. Just because like, you know, we're, I'm very, like I, my grape ranking is good red grapes, good green grapes, bad green grapes, bad red grapes. What do you feel about a Concord grape? I like a Concord grape, but, like, hard to find great ones all year, you know? Um, I did have some Concord grapes the other day at Natasha's. They're so fucking good. They're so good. But for just, like, day-to-day grocery grapes, that's my ranking. And so we're in good red grape season. I'm going to have to check this out. I I feel like uh, I have been tending towards fruit that you could keep in the fridge for a really long time and won't go Mm. bad right away. Mm, tell me so, more. yeah, my, once again, like everything in my life, Apples dictated by uh, my uh, nascent uh, ADHD. Not nascent. Nascent to me. Mm. So, remember to always keep your produce on the door of the fridge, guys. You're never going to go wrong because then you get to see all of it. It's very helpful. Um, I feel like I never look at the door of my fridge. See, I'm I'm a condiment. I, I operate I, on a condiment hot sauce dip economy so I'm constantly looking at the door I'm constantly mm-hmm. referencing what can I put on this mm-hmm. to make it taste better mm-hmm. but I I, I I support you it's also I don't s- keep my hot sauce in the fridge so that's just out I'm just I have just so many bugs like I'm just so paranoid yeah. I can't leave yeah, yeah, out yeah. anything like you're right I mean, they probably would be fine they, it would, they wouldn't eat it but like I don't know It's yeah I know it's just like the more food that's out the more chance there is for bugs I get that just use my hot sauce when I'm asleep Little sons of bitches. <laughs> They're in there putting on their tiny, tiny chicken wings. I hate them so much. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's what's new with me. It's fall produce, and I'm excited. How? What are? What is happening with you? Literally just working. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to fit in some spooky season stuff. I have failed so oh, far. Yeah. But um, I really want to go to somewhere. I was going to do Universal Horror Nights, but I haven't been able to find people who are available to go. But I was like, mm. is it so incredibly lame to go alone? I don't know. Is it, is it, is it, it's preferable to be scared with other people. Is it, is it 
off-putting to go alone to be scared. I guess that's my question. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. Yep. Like so many things. Like so many things. I have no answer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And speaking of things that we've said, we have not said this week's, this month's theme. Yes. And this, of course, is Thanksgiving. And we've done family in the past. um, Yes. And I'm trying to think of what the last one was, but we are going to do, the theme this month is They Ate. So it it is both about, you better believe it's, of course, about cannibalism, but it's also about performances, just to be able to mix it up, in which they ate. Mm -hmm. And I think that offers us a breadth of um, films that we're excited to dive into. Yes. Um, But the first one we're doing is, of course, a movie that takes uh, (laughs) this very literally. Yes. And that, of course, is the 1999 film Ravidus. And it was directed by um, Antonia Bird, uh, who did a phenomenal job. And I'm trying to think what else she uh, has done. Um, the movie Faith. I was actually a producer. That's I, that's the TV show. What am I even doing? I should have read her Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a it's a name I'm familiar with. And so I'm like, oh, I've heard of her. And I'm looking at her movies. I'm like, I guess I've heard of her. Have I seen any single thing that she has done? No. Well, now you've seen this. And it's great. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, it is a movie where it's a period horror movie, which is not something that I particularly care for Mm -hmm. normally. But I think they really nail it. Really? Which part? That you don't care for them normally? Well, I think it's like how you don't like movies that are old, which I think is uh-huh. insane. Like movies that are set in the past, I'm like, no, I don't you guys have like a lot them. more to deal with. I find them less scary. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't like them. I probably like them more. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> they're less scary. Okay, fair. Yes, you're right. I am interpreting from your statement that they're less scary that you like them less, which isn't the case. Right. That's the opposite. Um. Yeah. But I guess in this case, I, I simply am like watching this. I'm like, well— Slavery was still legal, so I just don't, yeah, you know, where, what are we, where are we going with draw this? Draw the line for horror, yeah. Um, and this, of course, was set in the 1840s in California, and this is a riff on the famous Donner Party. And my friend Kamaria, um, shout out to Kamaria, is in town, my college friend. She hadn't heard of the Donner Party. Are you familiar oh. with the Donner Party? Yes, of course. I, I feel like, I swear to God, it, they taught us about it in school, which looking back, it's like, well, we had other things we could have been learning about. Why would they yeah, teach us that? I don't know that I learned about it in school. Though you maybe sh- I did. Where else would I have learned it? It was like pre-internet. I feel like cannibalism specifically, because that's, of course, what this film is about, it, it does sort of trickle into society as one of these taboo mm-hmm. things that, yes. like, we are both repulsed by and love to read about to sort of understand why it happens. And, of yeah. course, the Donner Party... Well, I, I don't even want to get into the specifics because it is horrible. But they famously, uh, due to an attempted a shortcut, essentially got stuck uh, in the Sierra Nevadas over the winter. Mm-hmm. And you just don't want to do that. No. The, the conclusion of that, and I think the conclusion of this film is something similar. Yes. Just don't do any just of this. Just don't do it. Don't do anything. <laughs> um, do nothing. We always like to have uh, Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what did you think of the Ravenous trailer? What a cast. <laughs> Star-studded Guy Pierce, Robert Carlyle, Jeffrey Jones. David Arquette. David Arquette. Uh, everyone's Doing himself. 
He, yeah, he's sort of doing a Dewey from Scream if it I was think the that 1840s. That's what he does. That's why you hire him. That's why you hire him. Yeah, he's great. Are there any women in this movie? There is one woman. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you for for clocking. It is, I was like, I was like, all right, a bunch of men eating each other, I guess. <laughs> she is Sheila, uh, sorry, Sheila May Tusi. She is a Native American actress and she's playing a Native American character. And she's the only woman and has a level of just exhaustion that I imagine this one would actually have with all the yes. events of this film. That is very funny. Yes. Um, but she's been in a ton of stuff. Um, uh, again, none that I've seen, but we support her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is, again, people that I, I wouldn't normally, well, I guess Jeffrey Jones, didn't he go to jail for child pornography? I'm sorry. I don't know. Oh, God. I was going <laughs> to praise him. Um, yes, he did, he did, (laughs) he did, in 2003, he pleaded no kindness to a charge of soliciting a minor to pose for nude photographs. Okay, great. Sorry, everyone, he's in this movie. Um, well, at least he was punished for his crime, I suppose. Yeah, all right. So so we got that going for us. Justice. Uh, If there's any other criminals on the cast that have yet to be revealed, we apologize in advance uh, (laughs) for us talking about their good work in this. Um, yeah, very... Again, also stars like, incredible. I, I would yeah. be on this guy, um, a horrible person, as it turns out. Um, we also like to take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of eating human flesh and loving it? Very. Very. Like, please expound. Um, I don't want to eat human flesh. I'd like to put go on record and say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have no interest. <laughs> um, but I would be afraid that, like, if I was in a position where it's like, you will die if you don't eat. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you do. Like, oh, you'd have to. I could never kill someone to eat them, but no. if, if they were, you know, if we got a plate for the table. <laughs> if someone else was cooking. If someone else was cooking, if, if they already died, and you're like, well, what then? What, else what are, are we supposed do? to do? And then, what if that experience is so transformative, Allison? It, it it redirects the purpose of your life. I that I don't. Yikes! Uh oh. Uh oh. This feels conclusion. very male. Like men, like have one interest at a time. <laughs> well, I mean, and there is something to this where it, they are explicitly making. The connection between cannibalism and manifest destiny. Yeah. You know, like the idea that we, we will, as white men, consume all of North America and it is our right and our nature and mm-hmm. it's for our own pleasure and whatever else happens. Fortunately, do they get theirs, Allison? Oh, um, I hope so. And uh, they, boy, do they. Um, it also plays off the uh, real-life story of the Colorado cannibal, Alfred Packard, who survived uh, sort of a daughter party type situation by eating five of his companions. Five people? After getting stuck in the San Juan Mountains in the 1870s. Good Lord, that's a lot of people, that's Allison. That's a lot. How long was he? You know, and also uh, the Im- inspiration for the incredible musical, Cannibal the Musical, Oh. By the Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the guys behind oh, yes. South Park, 
was like an early work. I, my family had a VHS and we were obsessed with that movie. <laughs> Let's see how long he was there. And, and Alfred Packer did get a sentence of 40 years of in prison after it, it, it looked like he did kill them to eat them. So yeah. I do agree that is the distinction. Yeah. Um, because he, he just can't kill. Um, yeah. Allison, he ate five people between November 1873 and... Oh, no, no, April. Okay, between November 1873 and then April 1874. So it's at least— Months and months. Months. It wasn't like a long weekend. (laughs) No, thankfully. (laughs) And I guess five over a matter of, what is it, six months? I guess. less than a person a month. Which seems—even that seems like quite a bit of person, but— yeah. Again, I mean, if you have nothing else to eat. If that's the only food you can consume. Yeah, boy. I mean, he must have just been jacked. He must be like, have you seen that tech guy who's like, yeah. oh, I like drink my son's blood or something to yeah. see become a vampire? It's like, cool, dude. You like, look insane. Yeah, you look but, insane. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I bet you're not fun to hate. Like, the appeal of being like, I look like I'm in my 20s, but I'm in my 40s. And I'm like, I assume you're doing this for women. I don't know who... Um, <laughs> Like, wants that. Well, I think, like, a lot of things, people do it for the idea of a woman. Yes, Like, what a yes. woman would want or what a man would want. And I think right. it's, he's a great example of, like, well, maybe the woman you've invented in your yes. head who, yes. isn't, who is also you. Right. Um, well, it's like that weird theoretical thing of, like, I'm, like, doing everything so a woman is attracted to me. And then it's like, well, no one wants to go on a date where the guy's like, I'm just going to go to sleep at 7 p.m. and I just drink blood. And it's like, well, right. that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also somebody pointed this out, which is true, because the tech back billionaire we're talking about, um, is that Brian Johnson, he's clearly on estrogen, like a low level. Of, like he has, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, an estrogenic look. Like he, yes. you know, his skin, it, it's, and it's one of those things where I think like he looks younger, but for the rest of us, it just looks like he's on estrogen, which yes. is totally fine. But it's a it, those aren't the same thing. No, they like, are not. But it's like his brain was like, now I look younger. It's like you look like a luminous man. It's just, it's, like it it's, doesn't. It's, he's look, starting to look like the uncanny valley. <laughs> it is like he's made decisions that don't necessarily like what he's going for. Does not align with where his he is physically going. Yeah, and so the gap becomes wider and wider between like I look great. It's like. Well, you don't look bad, bad for what you're going for, but you are, you seem unaware of it. You know yeah, what I mean? you're kind of like no longer part of like what all of us are doing looks wise. His, his, <laughs> and the worst thing about, I'm going to say this, and this, I, again, I don't need to indict this man any more than we have. The hair dye. The hair. The hair. The color. Is he does he must dye it himself? It looks like he, a wig. It's a yeah. It's it, and not is, a good wig. It looks like a wig for Ricky's. Dye. It's like if you're gonna go yes. to the extremes of like drinking or consuming blood and sleeping yes. at strange and all this and like completely overhaul your lifestyle to look younger. Like go into a good salon. You're rich. Yeah, don't just get a box of Clairol and do it in the airport bathroom. Like <laughs> like as if you're changing identities. Like which is what it looks like. Yes, it looks. So unnatural, so bad. He's also styled it and cut it horribly. It, I well, think he probably cut his own hair. Yeah, the styling. I saw like a photo of him, and it's you like know it's exactly the what hair, we're talking about. The skin, and then he's like 
the clothing choices are, are are certainly choices, and there's just kind of a lot of look. I feel like that you could meet that guy at a party and be like that. The man you meet is filled with a joie de vivre because or person that you've met that like they're they're going for this with intention to be like stylistically liberatory or like I'm expressing myself and like this makes sense to me rather than this is joyless. You could see that this guy isn't yes. even enjoying. He's like, no, I figured it out. This is versus, a full time job. Yeah, like, and it's like, that's fine if you want to wear a little slutty tank top and, like, drink your dad's blood or whatever the fuck they're doing. <laughs> but, like, at least look like you're enjoying it. And, like, at least right. pretend. Have some fun with it. Put a smile on your face, honey. Like, come mm. on. Oh, well, you know what? Look, and, and as we age, too, eventually, we're, um, you know... When, when my eyes are on the fucking side of my head like a fucking hammerhead shark, uh, it'll be <laughs> funny for me to look back and think of these criticisms. You'll barely have to turn your head to look back. It'll just be a quarter <laughs> turn. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, it, but it does make sense. This is our modern version of cannibalism, taking the blood mm. um, from others to, to restore our vitality and such as they do in the phenomenal uh, movie uh, uh, Ravenous. And we'll get into it, um, obviously. But one of the great things about it is it is there are decisions that are made that are make it a horror comedy, a dark comedy mm-hmm. that well, David Arquette. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of the music choices are comedy music choices. Mm. Which is insane. And especially in the certain scenes that where they come in, I'm like, that a, is for not what I would have chosen. Horror cannibal movie. Comedy music choices. There are certain songs where, like, you might as well put, like, yakety sacks under this (laughs) shit. Like, when they're, like, running around. But let us get into it um, before we start. Would you like to guess the twist in Ravenous, Allison? Guess the twist. So, like, my loose guess is what's happening is that... um, And you're nothing but loose guesses. I'll tell you that much. um, That, like... It is like an army fort or whatever, but I'm guessing like the guy who started the cannibalism killed all of his soldiers and lied to the U.S. Army about it. Great. And then ate them. Excellent work. Okay, great. Let's begin ruining Ravenous. We open with two excellent quotes. I would like to write a horror movie with that opens with three quotes because I think... Comedy lives in the three. Mm. And then um, it's just funny. So here are the two quotes we have with, uh, he that fights with monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. Frederick, Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Um, his name is misspelled in the, <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> and then the Is that a choice quote, or just a mistake? I think it was a mistake and I celebrate it. Um, and the second quote are, is simply the, wor- the phrase, eat me. And it is credited to Anonymous. Allison, here we are in 1847 in California. And we open on our main character, John Boyd. He's a U.S. Army captain. He's played by Guy Pierce, who is great in this film. He has, like, no lines. And it's just him looking <laughs> extremely distressed the entire time. <sighs> like, he's our id, so every time we cut to him, he's like, oh, no. It's He's great in this. So he's receiving a military medal medal for bravery in the line of fire. It is during the Mexican-American War. And he is, there's sort of um, a little fanfare. There's a little ceremony. Everyone's Mm. in their, the, you know, military garb. But he's getting the eye from, (laughs) 
their little costumes. They look like little cute soldiers. <laughs> and the general, General Slauson, is looking at John Boyd. And we sort of realize the general is is on to him. And mm-hmm. we see John sitting with all of the men afterwards. And everyone's beating a big, fat, bloody steak. And there's nothing else even on the plate. It's just a huge steak. And he's getting more and more nauseous looking at it. And he attempts to cut the steak, which is bloody. And we see him flash back to his dying comrade's face. Oh, no. His blood-covered face in the battlefield. And John leaps up from the table and runs outside to vomit. Okay. Which gives General Slauson an opportunity to confront him. And basically says, I know the truth about you. You use medals for bravery, but you are yourself a coward. And I'm not going to publicly expose you, but I will, I'm going to basically exile you. You're going to be sent up into the mountains to California's Fort Spencer. And this is, it is like, this is like the last fort before people go over the mountains. Okay. So it's just kind of like a refueling station or like a, like a way station. Yeah. Like there's no... Transient. There's nothing around. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And everyone's passing through them. And John, who is clearly cowed by this, accepts the reassignment. And, the, and we do see the mountains are gorgeous. It's beautiful. And then like, because it's a horror comedy... That is, it's so interesting. It's shot very beautifully and seriously. But then, like, the credits sort of zoom. They, like, kind of ski in and out. Like, there's a little, like, skiing sound. <laughs> that they make it is a wild choice. <laughs> I, it, it, it looks like it. And um, I did want to say that Antonia Bird was added as a director, like, once they started filming. Mm. And I would be interested to know, like, how much of this was supposed to be a full comedy. How much of this. Yes. Yeah, what they was were still it pitched at- as. <laughs> yes, that's a great question. Um, the original director was Milcho um, Menchevsky, mm-hmm. and they shot this. Oh, they shot this in uh, Slovakia and Mexico. Oh. And uh, apparently, the original director got dismissed because he kept submitting more um, storyboards, and uh, Fox Two Thousand didn't want to do what he wanted to do. Essentially, so they dismissed him three weeks into filming. And I'm not clear whether it was more of a comedy or not, but I'll tell you what. The comedy elements killed me every fucking time because it, it's so it's out of the blue every so time funny. it happens. Um, but it also works, shockingly. Um, so we're we're finally at Fort Spencer. Again, you know, just sort of like, what? It, it's the 1840s, right. so everything's made out of wood. There's, like, smoke coming out of a smokestack. Everyone's drunk. Everyone has, like... Raw, like raw faces and unwashed hair. Um, and uh, John arrives at the at Fort Spencer with the aid of Martha, who's the, uh, there's two Native American local people who work for the fort. So it's Martha and her brother, George. And they act as guides in the area for the guys who work at the fort. Mm-hmm. And when they arrive, there's seemingly no one there. So Martha finds blankets for him. And the, they all sleep in like a big, gigantic, like communal building where it's, like, different rooms and then, like, a big room in the middle. Oh, yeah. And you know it fucking stinks in there. And there's, like, a stable for the horses and an an armory and, like, a smokehouse. So a bunch of different outbuildings, but this is I imagine an outhouse somewhere because we're pre-plumbing. Oh, and there's... And there's a fucking outhouse. Absolutely. God, I mean, imagine, like, it's, like, gross enough that, like, there's no plumbing and you're kind of, like, having a weird diet. Throwing human meat in the mix, that's got to be a disaster. Also, back then, I mean, you're drinking more alcohol than you're drinking water. So for me, I would just constantly have diarrhea. Yeah, nonstop diarrhea. Um, And we see 
for John, this is obviously a downsize. So he's sort of pushing on the mattress, which is disgusting. And then he catches his eye in the mirror. There's like a little mirror in the back of the door. We suddenly flash back to the battlefield and we see the truth, which is that as his men screamed for help, um, oh, sorry, they started calling him Boyd, so I'm going to switch to Boyd, but it's John Boyd, so I'm going to say Boyd. Boyd laid down in the dirt and pretended to be dead to survive as his men were killed around him. The fog of war, Allison. I mean. And we sort of realized that he is, in fact, a coward, that he allowed his men to die, and he did this um, to to live, but it, it, did, it did work. So he finally meets with the head of the fort, which is Colonel Hart, Jeffrey Jones. He said, oh, so a war hero. They said to war hero to reward you with some of our Beautiful California sun. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, it's freezing outside. And he offers uh, Boyd a, a walnuts that Martha brought, like a, as a treat. And so, but there, he takes a gigantic book to smash the walnuts. Okay. So as he's talking, he's just smashing <laughs> walnuts with a giant <laughs> book, which I love. So cool. Yeah, and he says, "I'll be honest, this place thrives on tedium." He says, like I just said, like we're basically just a way station for groups moving west. So when it's winter, nobody comes. Mm-hmm. So because they come in the spring, the summer, fall, and then winter is locked down because of all the snow. So the people who are here now, addition adding you, that's who's going to be here for the next like three to four months. So Oof. it's Boyd, um, Colonel Hart, who's speaking, um, Toffler, who is sort of our religious, uh, religiously minded Christian mm-hmm. private. Um, Major Knox, who is a full alcoholic, is just constantly drunk all the time. Cool. Private Reich, who uh, Hart describes as our soldier. And they cut to Reich, and he's standing shirtless in a freezing stream, screaming. <laughs> and then they cut back, and Hart says, maybe steer clear of him. <laughs> and it's just a perfect, you're like, oh, okay. He's crazy. Got it. <laughs> and it's played by Neil McDonough. Who's been in a million things? I would always think of Minority Report. He, he was in Desperate yeah. Housewives. That's where I first heard of him. Yeah, I guess he was in the Arrowverse, which oh, is it? Yeah, Yellowstone. You know, Bleach Blonde, like Platinum Blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and but it's a very funny role for him. It, it's such a funny shot to like cut to him screaming, and um, and then there are George and Martha, who they live in. A, they're like a TP. Uh, a sort of, sort of uh, creating a little distance between these, uh, these uh, them and these guys uh, who all absolutely stink and have like herpes sores all over their faces. Ugh. And then finally, Private Cleves, who is a 1840 stoner played by David Arquette. Um, we see him smoking um, with George and just giggling. Um, so that night, all everyone has dinner together in the main room. And Hart goes, so did anyone do anything today? And they all laugh because uh, they're like, there's literally, we're <laughs> just going to do, survive just the winter. Sitting around. Yeah. So the next day, a huge snowstorm sweeps over the camp. And it's beautiful. And oh, I miss snow. I I, I, I do wish. Well, we I don't have it here either. The Hollywood side. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I miss snow, I guess, from the past. Yes. I, I miss the concept geography. of snow that I formerly knew before climate yeah. change got worse. Um, and so we hear the voiceover of, I guess, after the incident um, where he played dead, Boyd had to talk to like a military, like an interrogator. And they're like, what do you mean? He says, I froze uh, behind enemy lines while my unit fought bravely. And we see him get picked up by Mexican soldiers, stacked in a pile of dead bodies. And so he is literally underneath oh my God. what must be six or eight other dead bodies. And he says he only escapes 
when the blood of his commanding officer, which is pouring out of this guy's broken open skull. Jesus Christ. The blood poured directly into Boyd's mouth. And that gave him the energy and the vitality to crawl out from the pile of corpses. And then finding it, getting a gun, Mm -mm. single-handedly takes over the enemy command and wins. Mm -mm. And so the implication is that it's getting the blood in his mouth (laughs) made him able, kind of gave him a little bit of a superpower. Yeah, no, that's not, you can't, you can't keep going with that line of thought. But then once you know it, you know it, Allison, right? So back at the fort, we see that uh, Martha and Private Cleves, they're going on a three-day trip to buy supplies before the be- winter really begins. So they're getting salt, beans, meat, and oil, the four food groups. Ooh. And heartworn sleeves do not buy any loco weed, because I marijuana, I suppose. Yeah. And no women. And Cleves is like, well, I'm obviously going to do buy both of those yes. things. Yes, Come on, sir. Um, so they head out. So they're not here. Martha and Cleves are not here for what's about to happen. Um, that night we see Boyd look at his medal for bravery. And when Hart asks him, like, so what did you win that, get that for? And he says, cowardice. And Hart, to his credit, like, uh, do you want to just go drink some of Nick's, uh, liquor? Yeah. Like, cause smart. like he's passed out. Let's just That's get drunk. So, um, uh, they're all kind of like in each other's face. They're already kind of like grousing each mm-hmm. other. Um, like uh, Toffler is writing a religious hymn oh, on a little fun. organ. And so Hart yells at him to shut up and asks him to go get ice in this kind of humiliating way. But they're, you know, there's sort of, there's sort of like a warm camaraderie happening. Allison, Boyd looks out the window and sees a figure staggering up to the fort. Oh, boy. You hate to see that. And, oh, yeah, no. In the middle of the night, in the middle of a snowstorm, the they nowhere? rush outside. In the middle of Where'd you come nowhere. from? <laughs> And they find him and he passed out in the snow. He's, he's you know, obviously there's hypothermia. They drag him inside and they heat a bunch of water and they throw him in a tub. And everyone's helping, like, to rub his limbs and revive him. And they put him in bed near the fire and they have Toffler monitor him. And it's only Boyd who sees that underneath the coat, the man, has, his clothes, his shirt is stained with blood. Mm. So the next day, the man awakens and Toffler runs to get everybody. And Toffler tries to wake Major Knox, but Major Knox is blind drunk. So he, yeah. like, doesn't even get up. He's like, please don't bother me. There's nothing to do. So they gather on the man who is known as Calhoun. And he says he was out there for three months, stuck in the mountains. And Hart says, well, did you have food? Yeah. And the man says, I, we didn't. You should have seen me three months ago. And Wright kind of pushes him. He said, well, yeah, but no one could live for, on no food three for three months. months. And Calhoun says, I said there was no food. I, I didn't say there was nothing to eat. And then Allison, he tells this story. It's like so, everybody in this movie has eaten a person. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that going around, Allison. Um, he and Calhoun and six of his fellow, um, they call them migrants on Wikipedia, which I think is an interesting way. I guess they were I mean, I say settlers. Yeah. yeah. Settlers. They so they were they were working under their guide, Colonel Ives. And apparently Colonel Ives is the one that Calhoun said pitched them on a newer, shorter route to like get through the mountains quicker, okay. which is what happened to the, the Donner, Donner Party. Party. They were trying a new yeah. um, route. And in, needless to say, the route was a bust, and they were stranded in a storm and had to hide in a cave. But then the storm didn't pass. It literally just winter started. Mm. So then they are just stuck there. There wasn't even an opportunity to get off the mountain. He says over the next three months, they ate the oxen, the horses, even his own dog. 
And even that only lasted a month. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. And it isn't seven people, so it would be a lot of food, yeah, right. you know. And, like, I would imagine you need, like, when it's cold, you need more food. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> I don't know. We're not nutritious, but it, it adds up to me. Yes. And he says after that, they ate their belts, their shoes. They would dig roots out of the ground. I don't want to eat a belt. <laughs> uh, well, you don't. Well, what do you eat? Nothing. They were well, also digging up roots out of the ground. Be like, you know, there's not, there's not much nutrition in the roots. It's like also the ground would be frozen. Right. Like, How, we were, what's happening? I, I, yeah. Oh Allison, one of the one one of the men died, Jones, and Calhoun was out getting firewood. And when he came back, he found the rest of the party cooking Jones's legs. And he says, "If I had been there, would I have stopped them? Because I'll tell you." I stepped inside that cave. The smell of meat. And then things get out of hand. A line that is both so scary and so funny, he goes, and then things got out of hand. <laughs> that? That's such a funny way to, to describe cannibalism. Out of hand. Things getting out, out of, of hand. Out of hand is like you're having like a chill wine night and somebody's like, should we just have a little bit of tequila? Like that's out of hand. Like, yes. Like, I, um, we ate one person and then it got worse. Like, Things got out of hand. He says, I ate sparingly. Others did not. Mm. And the meat only lasted a week, Allison. And then they were hungry again. Only this time the hunger was different, more severe and more intense. And Colonel Ives, the guide for the group, he couldn't be satisfied. Oh, no. So he began to kill the members of the group. And everyone was so starving. They kind of like, as long as he was doing it, I think the implication is like, well, Colonel Ives is doing it. Then I get, yeah, it's like he's in charge. I'm allowed to eat it. Yeah. So in the end, it was the Colonel, it was Mrs. McGreedy, just the, the one woman with them, yeah. and Calhoun. And he says, I should have saved her. I should have gotten out of there, but I was a coward. So I did the only thing I thought to do, which is I, uh, I just ran away. I mean, because I knew it was going to be me or her, and I uh, didn't want to get through me. So yeah, yeah. And Hart says, "So wait, so this woman and this and this man, they're still up on the mountain, right?" He's like, "Yeah, I just left." He's like, "Well, then we have to go try to rescue them. It's our jobs." No, it's and not. Colonel, I know, but Colonel Hart does take this very seriously, and it's like if he hadn't, if he'd been like, "Yeah, they're probably those motherfuckers are dead." Also, one of them's dead. The other one ate yeah, the other. Right, obviously, right. she's dead. Yeah, but Hart, I, I mean, you listen to his credits. Like, if they're still alive, we we are obligated to to God sure. in America to try to find them. And this, of course, will lead us down the primrose path to uh, more cannibalism. Uh, and they suit up. <laughs> so much cannibalism. Like, and the fact that it's up, coming kind of from two ends. Girl, it's so much cannibalism <laughs> in this movie. You don't even know. <laughs> but it's really great. It, it is like once the door is open, it's like, what are we going to do? Not commit cannibalism? Right. Yeah. But they, they get suited up and they grab, like, you know, their muskets and stuff. And, but George, the na- one of the Native American guides, stops them and shows them, of course, a scroll. Because you lo- you have to look at a scroll or an old book. And he, he points to them and he says, um, he says, this is like the, and he he's, uh, he says the word Ojibwe. So I'm assuming he's saying that he's Ojibwe. But he also might be saying this is a legend that is originated yeah, yeah. then. But we also believe in it. But it's the Wendigo, which we also mm-hmm. talked during um, Antlers. Yes. If you want to go back and listen to that one. 
And so Hart's sort of translating as he's speaking. He says, and we see this illustration. It's a man who is sort of transformed half into a beast who is eating another man. Mm, mm, mm. And basically the idea that, and and I think it's like, yeah, obviously it's based on the taboo around eating human flesh, which is pretty strong across all cultures. Yeah, yeah. Big thumbs down for for most most cultures on that. Not on board. Outside of very particular situations in which, and, and one of those situations is, we, they, someone's already dead. You have to eat them. Survival. Like, yeah. I think we all kind of understand that that's what happens. Yeah. But um, the idea is like the myth says <clears throat> in this telling of it: if a man eats another man's flesh, he steals his essence, but then his hunger becomes insatiable. Like you become an animal. Yes. You lose your human nature. And, but then the the more he eats, the stronger he becomes. Which I feel like it should work that it way. Absolutely like, it's like, should not work that way. Yeah. And Hurt says, "Well, your people don't really." They don't do that anymore, do they? And Judge is like, no. Do white people eat the body of Christ on Sundays? And Hart's like, that's a fair point. Because that is also our legend. Right. Is that, at least a Catholicism, yeah. that that is actually his body and that's actually his blood. So it's like we're using, we're telling stories yes. to teach about the world. Unfortunately, in this movie, yeah, uh, Allison. They're real. A little more real, uh, with, at least with regards to uh, eating the body and the blood. So they're off, and um, Knox stays behind, partly because he's like, well, someone has to be there, and he's like second in command, and also he's blind drunk. Yeah. So we see him run past Hart. Hart's trying to tell him, like, we're leaving, here's what's happening, and Knox just runs into the outhouse to vomit. So he doesn't, I mean, he's not even, like, cognizant. Ugh, I would just throw up on the ground. But I'm, he probably has done that so much that, like, you can't do that anymore. Okay, sure. <laughs> You at least have to go outside the fort. Um, Hart gives Knox the keys to the arsenal and reminds him that Martha and Private Cleves is, are on the supply run, so they'll be back in two days. Um, Hart and Boyd see that Calhoun is also getting dressed. They're like, are you going to come with? He's like, I have to. There's literally no way you're going to be able to find them. We were just in a cave in the mountains. Right. It's That's So correct. how the fuck are you going to get there? Yeah. So off they go. They're climbing up the mountains, and it is gorgeous. I, of course, would not be able to do any of this. They're, like, in heavy coats and robes going up these, like, snowy, just, like, the side of a hill. Um, And they arrive at this peak. It's gorgeous. And Boyd has the opportunity to sort of go to a side and talk to Calhoun and be like, you know, about eating human flesh and drinking human blood. Did you feel like you were, like, physically changed? Did you feel, like, energized? And Calhoun says, I do remember a certain virility. Just then, Allison, Tofler, a poor Christian bastard, slips and tumbles down the mountainside (laughs) and lands on a bunch of rocks. And he's alive, but he's badly injured. And they haul him up. He's bleeding. He looks like he's broken his ribs and sets up camp. And uh, But everyone's like, we're going to bed down for the night and keep going tomorrow. Excuse me. And as night descends, Allison, we hear Toffler screaming. No. And he shouts, pointing at Calhoun, who has literally, obviously has blood on his mouth. No. Says, he was licking me. He was licking me. Licking. He was licking the blood that was oozing out of his wound. Ew. And Calhoun's like, no, no, no. There's been a misunderstanding. Literally, there's just, but there's blood on his mouth. He's mouth. like, no, no. Um, actually, what was going on? Reich just fully assaults him, like enraged. But Hart breaks it up and it says, Reich, you helped Topler get his bandages back on. And Boyd, George, and sorry, <clears throat> Boyd and Hart confirm confront Calhoun. And Calhoun's like, I'm so sorry. I was asleep. I thought it was a nightmare. And I woke up, but I found myself doing it. I just restrain me because I don't think I could help this. Oh, my God. 
it's this is bigger than me, please. And so they end up, they tie his wrist, and then Reich has him, like, on a lead, like a dog. And they're walking up, you know, chill trying to find the cave, and George takes Bowie aside and just says, it's a Wendigo. Yeah, bitch, it's a Wendigo. It's the Wendigo. Um, Allison, I'm going to ask you now, actually, because we're things are about to go from bad to worse. Allison, things are going to get out of hand. Movie, <laughs> things are going to get a little out of hand. Allison, what would you do? What would you do? I'm going back to the fort. And then, yeah, are you allowed to do that? I'm like, would you, if you had trouble, what do you get, like, discharged? Like, it's right. not like, I'm kind of oh, like, no, I'm going to lose my health insurance. How do I defect from the U.S. Army so I don't have to be part of this anymore? Like, that would be my number yeah. one. Like, I got to get, like, I got to get out of here. Like, I got to go, I'll just go be a farmer somewhere and not be around many other people and forget all of this ever happened. Yeah, I feel like back then you could just walk away and, Assume a new identity, and yeah. no one's gonna really ask right. you. Right? There's not like a digital footprint of who you are. Like, just no. leave. No, you're good to go. Ruin is brought to you by Karyuma. Karyumas have been our go-to sneakers for a while because they're really comfortable, go with everything, and they're made with consciously sourced materials. Allison, I'll tell you, I love to wear Karyuma sneaker when I'm sneaking up behind you in the dead of night. Mm. You can't hear me coming because they're so soft. They're basically mm-hmm. noiseless, and they're incredibly comfortable. So it's easier for me to do my dark deeds. Yes, and I can also sense, like, that you look great while you're behind me mm-hmm. about to scare the living hell out of me. And last year, we collaborated with Karyuma to create No Steps Back sneakers. And we can't believe they have now designed a second limited edition collaboration with us. The Love It or Leave It sneaker. These shoes have a colorful design with lots of Easter eggs. I mean, not Taylor Swift-level Easter eggs. We're not insane. <laughs> Just fun stuff, like punted on a surfboard. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from every pair sold is donated to VSA's Every Last Vote Fund. And, and can you say about it, any of your other dumb shoes? No, huh? no. What, what kind of things do your shoes do? Just let you wear them? No, this is better. Jack shit. That's what it <laughs> sounds like. Our first Karyuma collab sold out super fast, so if you want to pair for yourself or the love and fan in your life, make sure to snag one now. They make it the perfect gift for the holiday season with free returns. Just head to crooked.com slash store. That is crooked.com slash store. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. The next day they walk on and they finally found find the cave. And as soon as Calhoun sees it, he starts freaking out. He's screaming like, no, 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 they're going to kill me. Just the sight of the cave is sending him into like mm-hmm. a madness. Yeah. 
And he starts, like, running around, acting crazy, like, making animal noises. So everyone's like, well, we'll wait outside with him. And then Reich and Boyd, you go inside and check things out and see if anyone's still alive right. in there. Um, inside, they find a trail of human blood. Cool. Leading to Allison, a hole straight into the floor of the cave. No. No. And Reich, Reich climbs down into it. Also, it's like no. Absolutely never, no. ever. In a also, mil- like, I would walk outside and just get sh- shot in the head to, if I needed to. To what end? I guess in case they're down there. And they might have been, but they find a disgusting scene. It's covered in bloody human bones, a rotting head with hair, clothes everywhere, a and skeletons. Head with hair. Allison, Reich turns and finds all of the bodies have been hung up like butcher style and skeletonized. And on one one of them, he sees the shirt says Colonel Ives, which means Calhoun ate Colonel Ives. Yeah. Okay, so he lies to them. He's like, wait a minute. This is the motherfucker that ate all these people. Yeah. And now he's he's looking for more people. Exactly. So Reich screams, it's a trap. And then in excellent movie logic, drops his lantern, which immediately bursts into fire and then destroys all the evidence. <laughs> like, it's just, and I, I probably, I mean, there were so many fires back then. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that makes sense. But just, it's like, God damn it, right? Like, you had all this stuff lined up and then now you're burning it all down. So, of course, then he and a boy run outside. And again, everyone's outside watching Calhoun, who's like panting and starts clawing in the dirt like an animal. Oh and like running around and making animal noises. <clears throat> You know, George is like, I fucking told you. I fucking told you to see the goddamn Wendigo. Damn Wendigo. And Reich and Boyd run out of the cave right as Calhoun grabs uh, Hart's knife and stabs Hart mm, in the chest. Tough. And George tries to, in the, this literally tries to throw a tomahawk. So he does tomahawk it at Calhoun. Calhoun but then Calhoun grabs Hart's body to use as a human shield. Okay. And uh, he is hit again. Calhoun then grabs Hart's gun and shoots George. So, unfortunately, George has died. All right. That's sad. Toffler, who is injured and can't run, just closes his eyes in terror, and Calhoun goes to fire on him, but the gun is empty. And he pulls the, his, the knife out of Hart's body, and he turns to Toffler with a smile on his face, and Calhoun tells Toffler, run. And this is when the music kicks in. Oh, my in. God. Stop. It's... It might as well be yakety sax. It is like comedy running, like. It is, it's very, it both works and also is the craziest goddamn choice. Like, no horror. I, I just would have a hard time imagining that. It, unless you're in a broader comedy, but it works. Like they, it, it, the tone is a hard one to nail, and yeah. you wouldn't think it would work, but it really does. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it was like, oh, it's too dark too soon because there's a bunch of other stuff. Like we're still, I mean, this is barely into the second act. Yeah. Like maybe, like maybe like well, we can't have it be so intense too soon. Mm-hmm. But it's such a jarring choice. Um, Boyd runs over to H- Colonel Hart, but he is of course dying. And Reich says, leave him. We have to save Toffler. Like, Hart's already dead. And so they abandon him. And, well, they chase this motherfucker through the forest. And, unfortunately, they do find Toffler, oh, our no. poor little Toffler. But his torso has been ripped open and uh, looks like a human being Not has been on. eating it. Yeah. yeah. And this enrages them. And Reich says, let's go kill that bastard. 
Boyd is still a coward. This is what we're still saying. Is like he's okay. like, um, I I have to go back. I would. He says I'm going to go back. Where it's like again, that's where we're at. Yeah. But we, at least if we know we were to say it, it would be like you know I'm a coward. I'm yeah. not going to do that. Right. Yes. Exactly. Not a decorated well, like war hero. Yeah. Come on. But Reich snarls. Find him. Like he's not accepting any of this. Unfortunately, Allison eating Tofler has given Calhoun like it's not super strength. He's just like. Strength like the like the strong a strong man on his best day. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like rather than what he is, which is a man who almost died in the mountains. But now he's like so invigorated. Yeah. And he takes the knife that he pulled out of Hart's body and he throws it into Reich's chest. <laughs> and not only does it stab Reich in the chest, he flies off a cliff. <laughs> well, like, that's not helpful for Calhoun. Like, can't eat him. Well, you'd think so, but he, he's got he's, he's got a one track mind, yeah. uh, like you said. Yeah, his um, he has an enthusiasm for consuming human flesh. So finally, on the top of this cliff is just Boyd and Calhoun, and Boyd is able to shoot Calhoun at point blank range, and he collapses, only to sit up, what? mouth full of blood, and smile. This mother, I mean, to be fair, he was shot in the shoulder, but like it would definitely take you down, especially if like. You are someone who had been, like, starving in the wood. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I guess the laws of cannibalism are changing a little bit of the reality here. But, like, yeah, yes. you wouldn't be, like, up and laughing. Exactly. And so I think we're to think that cannibalism does provide him, again, a level of vitality. And he backs Boyd up against the cliff face. And Boyd, faced with the decision, a choice between being eaten and jumping, Allison, he just fucking jumps off the cliff. Yeah. And I, that I do, that, like, that's not cowardice. No, I admire I that. I admire that. I respect that. I wouldn't be able, I would be too scared, I think. I think so too, but. Fortunately, he falls into the tree line and the tree sort of softens his landing and he hits the ground. But when he does, he also hits um, Reich, who's dying. He's not totally dead. Right. Slams into his body and they both start tumbling down the mountain. Oh my God. And like, like head over heels tumbling and they eventually land in a fox den, so like a hole in the ground. They like land, and there's all this like shrubbery hanging over. Yeah. <clears throat> so Riker gets caught upside down. Bo- uh, Boyd's on the ground in the, in the bottom of this hole, and Riker is dangling right over him, caught in tree branches. And in his dying rage, Riker puts his hands on Boyd's neck and tries to strangle him, but he's too weak yeah. and he dies. Wow. As if that wasn't bad enough, Allison. It's pretty bad. Calhoun finds his way and comes down the mountain to try and eat both of these motherfuckers. I mean, this guy. I don't Again, like him. he's never going to, yeah. If I have two, two bed, dead bodies you could be eating, I'm going to find yes. them. And he's finding them by smell. So we hear, we hear him sniffing the air. Allison. No, that's so weird. <laughs> but because he's sort of like, uh, like underneath the ground, like where he'd be able to smell, like he's sort of logistically hidden. So Calhoun can't find them. Right. And he, he walks by. Night falls, and Boyd tries to move, but his leg is broken, and so badly. It's a classic Hollywood break where the bone is jutting through the skin. Yes, yes, yes. Back then, I'm like, that guy's getting You're dead. gangrene and dying. Yeah. You are dying. You are dead. Like, best you could do is amputate, but, like, there's there's where, there's not even a town. Yeah. You know, I don't even know what you do now when that happens. <laughs> I mean, I think we have antibiotics, but I think probably if you get gangrene, if you ha- really have it, they might have to amputate yeah. as well. But, um... So he puts a stick to bite on, and then he jams the bone back into his leg, which I don't think would work or, like, anything better. Back at the fort, uh, Private Cleves and Martha come back. Don't know any of this is going on. (laughs) 
So it's them and Knox, right? And so, like, they're just, like, setting things up, like, getting firewood or whatever. But Martha could tell something is wrong. And I don't want to imply that. I, I, I assume it's some sort of Native American mysticism. But also, she's an intuitive woman, and they've been gone for a while. Yeah, so, but she definitely has this moment of looking in the mountains like, oh, oh boy. It's, right. It's like it's you could tell things were good. Like, what's the best case scenario? Yeah, they find yeah, the yeah. cannibal. Like I know, yeah, right. They have to like wrestle a cannibal to the right. ground and bring him back to the fort, and then he's gonna be there until he can be taken to cannibal jail. Yeah, we see Calhoun dragging the other men's corpses oh into the cave, laughing and sort of like making like chittering animal noises. Um, still in the fox den, Boyd is sort of talking to Reed's corpse, and it was like, "Do you mind cool. if I take your coat? It's gonna be cold tonight." <laughs> And he can sort of hear Calhoun's laughter all around mm-hmm. him. Meanwhile, we see Calhoun, like, having fun. Like, Calhoun's, like, his shirt's all uh, stained with blood. And, and um, the, the uh, there's a creek near the—sorry, uh, the cave is near a creek. Mm-hmm. It's a creek in the cave. <laughs> and he picks up a, a stone to skip it. And he go, he, when he picks it up, he says, nice. <laughs> and then he skips it. Like, he's having the time of his life and now that he's, like, that cannibalizing. Um, but Boyd is in this hole, and he says to Reich's body— because again, I think when he's like moving through his cowardice, that's his hero's journey. So he says, "Do I stay here or do I do I go down the the hill? I don't know what to do. I can't. I don't. It's tell me what to do." And he sees like visions of the Wendigo scroll. And finally, Allison Boyd takes the knife out of Reich's body. Oh boy! And he starts cutting into him and eating the meat. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, at that point, what I like. There's a crazed cannibal on the loose looking for you. You're injured. You know that human blood and meat will yeah. energize you to perhaps escape. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if I could ever do it, but I, I guess I get it. Yeah, no, I would just freeze to death. Yeah, I can't same. be out here. Also, the idea of, like, eating raw human meat. Right. Like a, I mean, cooked is horrible, but... Raw, raw is just extra. Off of a, someone, some guy you just met. Yeah. <laughs> some guy you just met. But in the morning, uh, we see Boyd emerge, and he looks worse for wear, but he looks a lot better than he did last night. And he staggers down the mountain, and he makes it to the fort alive. And Knox tends to his wounds and puts him to bed, but Boyd is plagued by restless dreams. And so he goes to Martha and says, how do you, let's say the wedding goes real, how do you stop it? And Martha says, you don't. Yeah. That's not how it works. There's There's not like a magic trick. And this is like the analogy. This is what we're talking about, like white American settlers yes. and manifest destiny. You'll never it's, be satiated. Like, There's never yeah. enough. There's never. You're never like ah yes, I'm satisfied. I've reached the end. Exactly. I have everything I need. Like there's the more, 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 more. Yeah, and I think um, I always just talk about this with um, my friend yesterday. Where like I think as people who don't have you know we're not billionaires, so it's like you always do think that there's a certain amount of like there's a limit where it's like. And there are certain rich people who are like give away their money and they understand it, but for other people, just the the having so much yeah. makes you want more. Yes. Like it's like the human it shuts off that part of your yeah. yeah. So it's like oh, so then that makes us approach billionaires with or like rich people with a, a a lack of awareness about what that is. Yeah. you know. And she says the Wendigo only takes; he never gives. To escape, the only way to escape the Wendigo is to die. Oh God, I think I so would just die at this point. There's yeah. not, like, what are you even living for? Yeah. Right. Whereas one thing to be like, I have to get home to my wife and kids. Right. Or, like, I got a sick mother. Like, something, something to be like, I have to do it. It's like, 
nah, I'm just some guy, just and guy I have to keep eating human flesh. Who's like also yeah. like discreet, like living a lie as like a war hero, yeah. but actual coward, and like you have yeah. nothing, and you're just like in this awful place and eating people. You, like just die. To be fair, you do look like Guy Pierce. Good for him. <laughs> I, that I don't hate. Yeah. So uh, word is sent to General Slauson about everything that's happened. And Slauson and two of his officers come to Fort Spencer to sort of, like, take everyone's statement. Mm -hmm. And they sit Boyd down now. They go, like, okay, we found the cave. There is no sign of anyone. There's no blood, no bones, nothing. Now, we know there was a fire. Mm -hmm. So I think we're to think everything was destroyed. Yeah. So, But then Boyd can't be like, I saw— I don't know how—I mean, I guess they would be destroyed. But it's like, I, you know, all that evidence yes. no longer exists. <clears throat> and they say, and then you told us about the, um, the Wendigo— we need facts, boy, mm -hmm. not fairy tales. Mm -hmm. um, so, and Slauson basically is like, I did you a solid of not publicly humiliating you. I I sent you here. Yeah, I was exiled, but also it's like, you still have a reputation. You still have a job. I could have kicked you out for what you did. Yeah. But you did take over that the Mexican army base because of somehow you figured did that. But now you're giving us this crazy story. I think when we first came here, you had a fever. You were really sick. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not lying if you correct it. You're just correcting that you were unwell. So maybe you got separated from your party up there. You don't know what happens. Mm -hmm. Either ways, I advise you to change your story. Like, you really just try to, like, help him. Like, don't go on record. And, of course, Boyd, it's stepping out of his cowardice and into his heroism is like, no, I, I know what I saw yes. and when to go skeletons and general's like okay, okay dude yeah. all right sure um allison to replace the late great colonel hart a new colonel has arrived and we only see him from behind but i think you know exactly who it's going to be mm. and martha and cleve see the new colonel but they were on the supply run so they did not see, they weren't there when all this was happening oh no so finally, General Slauson says there's going to be a new interim colonel until we find someone to permanently replace Hart. Please welcome and meet your new colonel, Colonel Ives. Allison, it is, of course, Calhoun. Yes. Who, instead of having a big shaggy beard, is kind of like a very neat military mustache mm -hmm. goatee and like looks very like, he looks incredible. I mean, how did he do that? <laughs> I guess he ate so many bodies that he could like shave. I don't know. <laughs> and Boyd does a classic 18-hour thing where he stands up in shock and then he just faints. He like collapses. And Boyd tells Lawson, that's him, that's Calhoun. If you don't believe me, ask Knox. He was here the day that Calhoun arrived. So they go to Knox. Knox says, um, I was uh, ill that day. He was just blackout drunk. Yeah. But he says, I remember the guy that I ever had a beard. This guy this guy doesn't. But, like, so that's such a— <laughs> I know. But it's the 1840s. Right. I think people were like, he didn't have a beard. It's a different guy. Yeah. Hang him, unfortunately. <laughs> And uh, Boyd says, I shot Calhoun when we were struggling, you know, on the on the cliff. I shot him in the shoulder. So t tell him to show you his shoulder. Yeah. So then they have to invite Colonel Ives in, who we all, of course, know is Calhoun. Calhoun. And he says, I'm like, take me. So he, like, has him show one shoulder and then the other <laughs> shoulder. And Allison, there are no bullet wounds. <gasps> and the general and his men leave. Uh, like we're gonna we're gonna write up a full report, and there's apparently a rainstorm coming in. Oh, good. Um, so we're gonna leave you in in Colonel Ives's capable hands. By which we mean we're gonna leave and leave you here with a cannibal a as cannibal. a babysitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Boyd walks in to go talk to Cleves and Martha, and then when he does, he finds Cleves gossiping and basically 
Cleo's like, I think Boyd killed everyone up there. And now he's saying the new colonel did it. Like, I think he's lost his goddamn marbles. And Boyd yells at them and he takes like this gigantic cleaver they were cutting with. <clears throat> Next thing you know, we see Boyd stabbing Cleves to death and then tearing out his heart to eat it. And when he looks at Cleves' dead body, Cleves is laughing. But it's just a daydream, Allison. It's not real. It's not real. That <laughs> night, they all sit together. Knox and Cleves are playing chess while Knox gets drunk. Martha is widowing an arrowhead. Colonel Ives is reading. And a storm is sweeping in. Allison, who will survive? Who will survive? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to guess they all die and Calhoun eats all of them and then is off uh, doing his thing. Great. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent guess. All right. We're just popping in. Oh, hey. Hey, hi. We're popping in. Hi. Sorry to bother you. Oh. Um, we just wanted to let you know about yet another ruined live show that we were doing for the month of November, and it will be Monday, November 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We are mixing it up a little bit. We're mixing it up. We're doing things a little later because it's a Monday. We want everybody to be able to finish whatever they do for a job, if you have one, and be able to join us for another very fun live show because we'll be doing... Thanksgiving, which of course is a the new Thanksgiving-themed <laughs> Eli Roth movie. Uh, that comes out this month. Just to read the log line, an axe-wielding maniac terrorizes residents of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Perfect. Well, baby, what else do you need to hear, okay? Yeah. So go ahead. Make yourself one of those sandwiches mm. where it's like turkey mm. and cranberry mm-hmm. and then stuffing and two pieces of bread. Make that for yourself. Yes. And then join us by going and getting your ticket at moment.co slash ruined. That is moment.co slash ruined. And you can get your tickets, $10. $20 Patreon members, you know you're going to get yours in your email inbox the day of the show, and we'll have all the regular fun, the chat, merch. You know, we'll all talk about our Thanksgivings and how those were. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully better than the people in this film. Absolutely. I can only imagine. So join us Monday, November 27th, and we'll see you there. See you. Or we'll, you'll see us, but we'll know yeah, that Yeah, 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 we can tell. We love you. Bye. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. So everyone heads off to bed except Boyd, who is too paranoid and refuses to sleep. So he's basically standing outside the main building holding the butcher knife from the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And Colonel Ives steps aside to smoke. And Colonel Ives says says to Boyd, you know, I found your Reich up there. Or what was left of him. And he knows that Boyd is is cannibalizing him. He says, you know, before it all began, before I first found out, I had tuberculosis, I had horrible migraines, and I had I was suicidal all the time. I was actually on my way to a sanatorium. Sanitarium. I was actually on my way to a sanitarium when our party got stranded. I was at my my wit's end. 
And then on the way there, some uh, a guide told me about the Wendigo. And I thought, well, you know what? It was worth a shot. It wasn't a prescription. (laughs) But he took it. He took it right to CVS. And he tells him, I ate five men in three months. My TB is gone. My suicidal thoughts are gone. I reached Denver that spring feeling happy, healthy, and virile. Mm. And I was like, that is the most terrifying and depraved thing to hear. I hate it. Because it's like, it's one thing to be like, I'm a vampire because I can't help it, or I'm a werewolf because I've changed. It's not, it's out of my control. But then it's like, I just feel so much yeah. better. Right. It's like somebody like that's being why I'm like, a I love Pilates. <laughs> yes. And that's why I had to kill Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, that's not worth, like, it's like, you can't do it just if you feel better, you know? And then Boyd says, well, fi- did you eat the woman? Did you eat her? And he says, look, I don't get it. You've already tried it. You know what it can do. You know the effects right. of it. Why are you resisting it? Is it morality? Morality, the last bastion of the coward? And Colonel Ives. I'm just going to call him Colonel Ives the yeah, rest of the but we know, we know it's Calhoun. Calhoun. Got it. Yeah. Um, so Colonel Ives comes up to him, and Boyd slashes him with the knife, and it cuts Boyd's hand. And it is almost like this little bit of a homoerotic mm-hmm. moment where where, where uh, Colonel Ives holds up his bleeding palm to Boyd's face and sort of holds it under his nose and says, do you smell that? And it's sort of like it's like taunting him with like, I, I know exactly the reaction you're having. Mm-hmm. And but, but again, Boyd is doing everything he can to fight the urge. So he tackles Colonel Ives and uh, puts the knife to his throat, but then Martha stops okay. him and says, if you die— and Martha rushes over and puts her knife to Boyd's throat and says, if he dies, you die. Okay. And I don't know whether she's just being moral or if that's literal. Right. But either way, neither of them are dead. Everyone else rushes out. And Knox, of course, sees that it was Boyd who attacked first. So he tells Martha, get Cleves and you two put Boyd under mm-hmm. arrest. But here's the thing, Allison. Cleves is nowhere to be seen. Oh. So Martha has to go look oh, for boy. him. And so she's wandering around. It's it's nighttime. Yeah. It's windy. It's disgusting out. She sees the door of the stables banging open. She goes thinking maybe he's inside there. All of the horses have been killed and eaten. At a certain point in time, how much meat can a man Consume. physically eat? Right. Like, oh, why kill all the horses? Kill one of the horses. At least then it stays fresh when you want the next one. Like, it just seems like not the plan. And also, like, I eat one steak and I'm, like, good for a while. Right. Also, if if horses work, if the horses work, why not just kill animals? Then it's not cannibals. You're you're just just eating horse meat. It makes no sense. They don't explain that. But she's terrified. She runs back and she runs to the main uh, building. And she's yelling through the window at Knox, saying, the horses are all dead. And when he runs over the window, he's like, what? Blood starts to spatter on her face from the roof. And she looks up and Knox runs out and joins her. They find Cleve's dead, brutalized corpse on the roof of the building. So, of course, Knox, not knowing anything about all the cannibalism, um... He assumes Boyd killed Cleves. And so they chain up Boyd in his room. So he's basically chained to his bed so he can't leave. Now he's just a prisoner. Um, Exactly. In the morning, Knox asks Martha to like, uh, basically we need someone to walk on foot to the next fort, which is where General Slauson should be. So would you walk there? And she's like, bye. That's the the journey I would like to be. I'm like, oh, I'll run an errand if it gets me out of this absolute nightmare. 
Absolutely. And as soon as she's out of the picture, Colonel Ives shuts the fort mm. g- gate and puts down like a big log. Like yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like a the gigantic version of a a, a door lock, and they are locked in oh now. Boy. Right. And uh, we see Boyd chained up in his room, extremely vulnerable. You know, can't do anything. He's calling for Major Knox over and over again to try to explain what's going on. And as he does, Allison, we watch Kurt Lives make what looks to be a delicious stew no. over the fire. Mm-hmm. Horse stew? Not s- probably people. Um, unfortunately, it is of course a human stew, people's, a cosmic gumbo. Oh, people stew, cosmic gumbo. <laughs> Knox enters and says, "Have you?" Do you need help me with that stew? And Ive says, no. Maybe later you can contribute. Oh. Right now it's fine. And Knox also knows that, you know, my sword is missing. His, his decorative sword yeah. above the mantle is gone. And Colonel is like, that's crazy. It's goddamn so thing. I don't, I don't even know. Where is it? And Boyd, meanwhile, is just yelling like, Knox, it's him. He did this. He killed, the, he killed everybody. Yeah. He killed Hart. And so Knox eventually just goes and shuts the door to Boyd's room. And when Knox turns, we see his sword swing down and cut his head off. But it's not Colonel Ives who did it, because then we sh- turn and see Colonel Ives, who has basically no exp- no reaction right. just seeing this. He's stirring the pot of human Yeah, steel. he's focused on the culinary arts at this point. Exactly. And Boyd hears the head slicing and calls through the door, like, Knox, are you okay? And the door opens to reveal a very much still alive Colonel Hart. Okay. And... Colonel Ives shouts over to them, I told you my regiment had curative powers. So basically, Boyd realizes that Hart survived through, of course, cannibalism. And he's like, well, you killed Cleves and the horses. And Hart says, you know, I thought I died in the mountains. I think I may have actually died. But then I woke up in the cave to Ives feeding me. And now I've never felt better. Oh, no. And Boyd says, okay, so you guys are going to kill me and eat me. They say, no, it's actually very lonely as a cannibal. We want you to join no. us. And we'll we'll live here. And when people come through, we won't kill everyone, but we'll pick a few. And then anyone who disappears, ah, they disappear to the mountains. It's extremely dangerous. And then he, this is what he also talks about, manifest destiny. He's like, I, I can you blame us? Can you blame us for any of this? This is out of our hands. He says, this country is seeking to be whole, stretching out its arms and consuming all it can. And we merely fall off. So it's like, oh, we've already rationalized it because we rationalized Manifest Destiny. Which I did appreciate that they were using that as the metaphor of like white men's insatiable avarice. It's like, yep, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, their plan is that Boyd will be there the fort with them. And once spring comes, there'll be a steady stream of people resettling people forever. Exactly. And he even said, eventually, we'd like to get General Slauson on board. Because when you're a general, you could do whatever you want. So if he's in our pocket, then we could be eating people nonstop, maybe. And I've said to Boyd, you're already one of us. You just need to give in yeah. to it. And and Boyd says, I can't. So I think that's, this is final set of, like, I am not yes. a coward. Okay. I cannot do this. Not a coward, and not a coward. lives. Exactly. Carol Ives nods his head and then stabs Boyd, Boyd in the torso Oy. and tells him, don't worry, it's not fatal, provided you take the necessary precautions. And he serves him up a bowl of human flesh stew. Oy. So then it's literally, if you do not eat this right now, you will bleed out and die. I'd take that. I so would just die. 
I would. Oh, oh, see, I would eat the stew. I think at that point, I would be so. I would. I, the pain of dying yeah, I get, yeah. would be so scary. I would eat the yeah. stew. But and Boyd tries to fight it. Like the other two guys are just eating the stew. They're like, "Oh my god, the stew! <laughs> the stew! Stew's hitting!" And Boyd's trying to fight, but he starts bleeding from his mouth, and he's you know he's exhausted. And so finally, Alzi picks up his spoon, and he eats. The next day, Boyd looks great. I mean, he still looks horrible, but like he's, he's upright, not yeah. dying, you know. And they sort of have this this conversation with like heart. He's like, "How do you do? Like, how could like when I met you, you seemed like a moral man. Like you wanted to go help people in the mountain." And Hart's like, "You know, I realize now it's not about that. It's about happiness and how to achieve it." And he screams at Boyd, like, don't you understand? You're too naive. You have to kill to live. And Boyd, basically, like, we're having, like, the heart is, like, has succumbed to the argument and Boyd hasn't. But Boyd is like, I'm going to kill Colonel Ives. I'm going to kill him and stop him. And Hart, it has a moment of realization and he unlocks Boyd's chains. And he says, take my knife. But before you go kill Ives, please kill me. You have to do it quickly. I can't. You're right. I can't live yes. like this. And no one. What, what 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 we've already done is horrible. What what the, he's proposing? It's like oh, so we're serial killers, and so Boyd slits his throat. Okay, that's nice. And as the yeah, as the blood jets out of Hart's throat against the window, we see a shot of Ives looking in and seeing this and understanding that Boyd has prevailed and that now Boyd's going to come for him and now. Basically, we see in the, in the far distance, Martha and the general and the reinforcements are coming, but it's they're still really yeah. far away. So it's just a cat and mouse game between Boyd and Colonel Ives. And they're kind of like hiding and like tracking each other, stalking each other through the fort. And at a certain point, uh, just for like, because he's a diva, um, Ives puts, smears his forehead with a, um, blood. a blood cross okay. well, in, in blood. He loves the pageantry then, of it. Yeah. And then finally, he and Boyd just find each other. I, I don't know if it's like, uh, it's like the tool shed is gigantic. Like it's just some big like utility like building, obviously made out of wood, and it's filled with farm implements. So they're just grabbing farm implements and yeah. like stabbing each other with pitchforks, and, like chopping at each other with cleavers. At one point, they're just like grabbing a log from the fire and slamming it into each other. And finally, Boyd gets uh, Ives on the ground, and they're choking each other. And Ives takes Knox's sword and stabs it through. Boyd's body to the hilt through its back. So Boyd has been terribly injured. And in the brawling, they've like slammed into the supporting structures, which everything looks like it's about to fall apart anyways. And Boyd is able to get free, but the building itself falls on top of Ives. It still doesn't stop him. He has cannibal strength. And Ives finds Boyd and pulls the knife out of his back. So now now Boyd's bleeding out. But they're still grappling, and Boyd gets up and grabs him standing and shoves him backwards onto the ground, onto something that uh, you can't have this. But fatal, fatal, horror movie fatal mistake, 20,592. Never, ever have a huge, rusty bear trap yeah, open. open and ready to yes. go on any floor in any building where a human yes. might be. Allison, they fall into it, and it closes on both of them. And now they're trapped oh. there. They physically can't get out. And Ive says to him, if you die first, I'm definitely going to eat you. Yeah, of course. The question is, if I die first, what will you mm-hmm. do? So I think the implication is, like, if 
let's say, Ives dies, there is a world in which I think we're to believe that Boyd could eat his body and then escape the bear, the bear yes. trap. And just then, Martha and the general arrive. But, of course, the general goes in the main house. Martha immediately, she knows something's up, so she's trying to find, like, any living yes. person. And in the house, they can't find anyone right away, but the general sure does smell that delicious stew. Oh, no. And we see him take a big old ladle of hot human stew, no. Allison. Ooh, and he goes to town because that shit tastes delicious. Yeah. And honestly, God, watching this, my mouth was filling with saliva. <laughs> like the stew, I know it was just normal stew. I, w- I want stew is what I'm saying. Yeah, always. Um, but watching this, watching someone eat a cannibal stew, I'm like, oh, really? Was- Ooh, it does look delicious. Piping hot. And out in the shed, in the bear trap, Ives dies first. And we see Martha open the door and makes eye contact with Boyd and sees the men caught there. And Allison, she just closes the door and walks out of the fort <laughs> and leaves. Yeah. And Boyd, again, we, we know what, because he had to go on his hero's yes. journey, so we know what he's going to yeah. do. He closes his eyes and he yes. dies. And also Martha already told him, you, the only way, the only escape is right. death. Like and there he's is doing no solution. the right thing by dying. Exactly. The end. Wow. Yeah. It's a fun one. I yeah, really like this, this movie. Is great. Um, Allison, what are some fatal mistakes do you think they may have made in the movie Ravenous? Fatal mistakes. Well, the eating people. Yeah. But what if you felt really good when you did it? I'm sure it did. In the context of the yeah. movie, not like in reality. Well, and also in real life, if you're so starving, I bet when you eat a person, you do feel a lot right, better. you've eaten. You have, pro- like, you have, like, something in you yeah. that's, like, generating energy. But, yeah, I guess... Also, like, I would have, like, after, like, being... It, like, Boyd's, like, first, you know, cowardly earlier experience of, like, being stacked up with the other body, I'd be like, that's when I leave the military. <laughs> like... Yeah. I don't know. Just go go live by yourself in the middle of the woods and defect because, like, you're not going to get, like, another good assignment. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's, like, he's so wounded by his own cowardice. Like, he – it's almost like that was another sign of his cowardice yeah. is that he will just go live in shame and sit in his shame yeah. forever. And it is only by murdering a – maniacal supervillain level cannibal <laughs> that he was able to redeem himself. Yes. And I do think he did redeem yeah. himself. Um, but yeah, I think not believing in cannibalism yes. was a huge mistake. Could have stopped at least when the general showed up, but they're like, we're right. not obviously going to believe you. Um, and other than that, I mean, yeah, I just... Everything about, like, the idea of, like, oh, I'm a cannibal just because I feel so much better. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that there's something about that that's so so much scarier than, it's like, that's out of my yeah. hands or something. Um, and then finally, where would you place Ravenous on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I think this is a four and a half. Like, okay, it was, great. I feel like there was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, the cannibalism and also a lot of blood makes it scary, but kind of a kooky film. Yes, I agree. And the, the moments of comedy are perfect, but they do—they are not yeah. scary. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. To hear that music 
And which again, we will drop in uh, the clip. It is. I was like, wow, okay, all right. I guess you don't want me to be scared yeah. right now. You want me to have the time of my life, and I really did. Yeah. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this a three yeah. because there still are moments like where they're in the cave totally. and they find the skeletons, and there is like the, the general griminess of the 1840s is yes. disgusting yes. and off-putting in a way that I find kind of scary. Yes. Um, yeah, but I think that that feels right, Allison. Thank you for doing oh, this with thank me. Thank you. Thank you for every week. Uh, a fabulous theme for the month. They ate. I mean, certainly in this film, they ate. They ate. They ate. And I can't wait to see what else we've got coming down the uh, November movie pipeline. Down the pipe. Down the down down the windpipe. Down the windpipe. That's not how you eat. Um. Well. Stuff. Until next time. Please. Please do not. Do you do what you can not to eat each yeah. other. And until then, keep, keep it spooky. spooky, everybody. Bye. Bye. Uh, since you're listening to our show, we know you enjoy spooky stories, especially this time of year. So we'd like to tell you about Otherworld. The Washington Post has described Otherworld as the This American Life of Ghost Stories. But make no mistakes about it. These are far from the same old campfire stories you grew up with. Each week on Otherworld, you'll hear credible, first-person testimony from people who have come face-to-face with something paranormal. The experiences shared on Otherworld are unlike any you've heard before. These supernatural encounters are deeply personal, spine-chilling, and will leave you questioning the basic understanding of everything. All right, well, I gotta listen to this. Yeah, so listen and follow Otherworld, an Odyssey podcast, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.